Hey neighbors, welcome back to The Flower House. I'm your host, Tamara. And I'm your other host, Christina. And today we are here with a special guest. We are here with Cody, Christina's husband. Hello, I'm Christina's husband. (laughs) The mister has been unveiled. His name is Cody. We will continue to call him the mister. Um, He is joining us today to talk about the safety of being on the internet Very important stuff. Very important stuff. So Cody works in cybersecurity. So he's going to teach us all about internet safety and how to keep our guard up even when we're on the internet. So we have a couple of questions. What do you do for fun? I'm pretty boring. I agree. A lot of IT people are, cybersecurity (laughs) people are. We're pretty nerdy, but that also comes with us being pretty boring for the most part. I mean, of course, some people, they don't take... Um, that flavor of their job as serious as others. You know, some people are there for just money. Therefore, their hobbies might be a little bit more extravagant than others. But the the stigma, the status quo typically is nerdy people aren't really all that um, exciting people outside of the workplace. So like, for example, me, you know, I got into computers. My very first video game was Civilization, the original. It came out, I don't know, back in the middle 90s. We had, time. yeah, well, we built our first computer when we were like, when my brother was like seven or eight, you know, uh, back when you had to plug in like a bunch of floppy disks to install windows and we, you know, we all pooled our Christmas and, and birthday monies together to build a computer. And, you know, the best graphics card at the time was, you know, like 70 bucks and it still wasn't good enough to even play the cinematic <laughs> portion of the video game just so you can get into the video game would stutter. Like the frames per second would be like three. If that it's pretty laughable in today's standards, but my background, you know, has always been computers. And so as for what I like to do hobby wise, it's still computer related stuff. You know, I'll be be playing League of Legends. I'll be playing Warcraft three, Starcraft two, original Starcraft, pretty basic stuff that's been around since late nineties, early two thousands that I've just, continued playing ever since and I never really adopted to some of the newer games. I'm just kind of stuck in the nostalgia area. But yeah, outside the video games, yeah, there isn't really much for me. It's that's pretty much all I do. So you could you're basically Bill Gates. I was reading a book the other day and there was a chapter on Bill Gates and two of his friends because they were initially a trio that started, um, micro- well, that was going to be a part of Microsoft, but then it ended up being a duo because one of the members didn't make it out of high school. But that my thought when you were like, I built my first computer when my brother was seven, and correct me if I'm wrong, but your brother's older than you. Yeah. So my. So yeah. imagine that, you know how stupid I was at six, <laughs> like building a computer. I think I built my own computer, which my brother, you know, beat me by a couple of years at that. Um, but it was mostly just around financials. I probably could have done it at the same age time as him because we were around it the entire time. But I think I built mine around when I was 10. I still wasn't that smart at 10. I don't remember. <laughs> like third or fourth grade, we finally decided to build our own. And that's because I finally had enough money for a decent graphics card. Well, I would have done it earlier if I could have, but just... It's hard to get a lot of money when you're that young, you know, you got to do a lot of chores and ask grandparents and save your money from Christmas and birthdays. Like 
It's really hard for a kid. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard for a kid to come buy money to buy to make a computer. I just like I consider myself a smart person, but like as you're saying, like you built a computer at like ten. I'm just thinking of like maybe three years ago. I was like, how does electricity work? Like, how did we yeah. have electricity? You know, like <laughs> you remember when I was ten? I was not that smart. <laughs> Yeah, I like it's like what is the learning curve here? Was it was it I was born in the wrong year? Like I was born when kids didn't have to fend for themselves anymore. Like at 7 I was like, when's my nap? You know, like, <laughs> it wasn't a thought of how am I going to make a computer? Like I I know how to use a mouse. That's about it. So, I, it's just really amazing with the things that kind of shape you, right? Because as a kid and we've talked about this before as a kid like i had lincoln logs and connects i loved to build things those were my toys and so as an adult i kind of went into like the construction field where now i i watch things being built or i work in construction materials and things like that so like the toys that you have as a kid really impact you know who you become as an adult or I guess computers aren't toys, they're just hobbies as a kid, right? So it really impacts, you know, what who you become as an adult. So I don't know. I'll just give my kids like a bundle of money and be like, all right, this is your toy. That's that's what we need to start doing. Well, think about it this way. Maybe it's not so much what you played with um, necessarily, like, oh, I only had this one toy and therefore I grew up becoming an architect or whatever. But rather, if you have a myriad of toys that have different professions back behind them, whichever your that child you know runs to the most might be the profession that they were meant to become part of to begin with. Like I played Monopoly, you know, a ton when I was a kid. I was one of my favorite go-to games. I loved the whole money, the budgetary piece of it, you know trying to guess what number you're going to roll. So whether you go to jail or you pass 200, et cetera, <laughs> you know, um, and then having to evaluate, okay, do I want to put a hotel on this property or not? Like that, that part of me, you know, kept uh, growing, growing up. And, you know, I, I do, I love working with budgets and, you know, it's not related to my field or anything like that, but it's definitely a, a life skill that I definitely take to the extreme. But yeah, I love love budgets. I love finance, counseling, cybersecurity, IT, computer stuff. I don't know. It's all different stuff. But that's kind of like what I kind of grew up with was computers and finance. And um, yeah, that's pretty much where I just kept evolving into. So there are some questions that we want to ask. Why is cybersecurity important? Because I'm the person that like sets my password to password. And then I'm like, if I get hacked, they needed it more than me. You know, karma's a bitch. So <laughs> why is cybersecurity important? Well, I guess it really just is determined on what you care about. Um, why cybersecurity is important depends on who it is. If it's for you and your own personal, what is it that you're trying to protect? And is it important enough for you to safeguard? Ideally, I would like to safeguard every single thing about me as possible and have no one have access to any of it unless I explicitly say that they can, where, you know, when you're signing up for websites and stuff, they kind of just sneak in saying that they're going to be able to take any kind of data from you that you post on the site, et cetera. So I guess it really depends on user preference for the most part for the like smaller things. But 
why is it important on a more larger scale and bigger business side of things is there's a lot of money in data. So not only like customer data, you know, it's, it's good to safeguard people's names, last names, addresses, bank account numbers, social security numbers, Medicare, uh, passport numbers, et cetera, right? That's stuff that you wouldn't want other people to have, because obviously you could then go do, do nefarious things with that information, like steal your identity, go <laughs> sign up for personal loans in your name, and then just go take that money and do whatever you want with it. Sell all that data to some other country or hacktivist group that can go use that money for other nefarious purposes as well. It's once that data is out, it's it's pretty much out for good. Um, you know, a lot of these breaches, for instance, they'll get posted on the dark web and they'll say, Hey, I've got, you know, a million people's first, last name, social security numbers and addresses and their incomes. First person with 50 grand can have the entire data set. And whoever happens to buy that data set, um, now has all that data and then they can go resell that data or utilize that data. Even if, you know, 80% of the data is no longer accurate anymore. There's still a lot of good information within it that they could use uh, at a future attack. Let's say, for instance, they breached, I don't know, um, Target, for instance, and Bill Gates was a you know, main Target customer and Bill Gates had some, had sent over a bunch of confidential information over to Target. Well, if that s- server or wherever they hacked and, and breached the data, they happened to come across Bill Gates information, well... Bill Gates is a pretty high, uh, high profile person, right? You know, he's what, top five, top 10 wealthiest person in the world. That would be a pretty big, nice hit for the hacktivist group. Top three. I mean, who's, who's richest Bezos right now. And then, and then oh, Bill no. Gates and then Elon Musk. Is that the three right I, now? I think it's, um, it goes back and forth between Elon Musk and Bezos. Bill Gates might be third. But I remember when Bill Gates became second, he was like, there's nothing worse than being first, but second, where is that? Because people, everybody looks at you when you're first, but when you're second, they're like... There's probably not as many news articles about him, especially now that, you know, he's not actually like Running. CEO of Microsoft, right? Like he's, I think, on the board and he's got his own charity that he does. But, you know, he's not like Elon Musk, who's still trying to make it out there. Uh, you know, Jeff Bezos has stepped down. You know, he's just doing his little Blue Origin spaceship uh, company um, where he partners with Adam and Eve to design a penis-shaped rocket. <laughs> I, was just, I was just thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's some aerodynamic uh, craziness behind that whole design. But, uh, Doubt it. I don't know. I, I feel like there'd be like a negative 3% efficiency of just changing it so it doesn't look like that. And I would be perfectly fine with that because I don't know. Then again, I'm just like, uh, you know, there's no good, bad news, right? Any news is good news, even if it's bad, if you're trying to make it big in the world. That's true. Especially if you're a little guy and you haven't gotten your groundwork off yet. Oh, Tamara, this gives me some ideas. All right. Okay. For the podcast. Okay. Doing nefarious things and get super popular. (laughs) The haters eventually become lovers and you guys become like super popular. 
I have tried to do that. I'm like, Christina, we could talk about these controversial topics. And she's just like, I don't want to do that. What if the police get mad? <laughs> like, I'm like, Christina, let's break some laws. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I don't like people being angry at me. Very non-confrontational. Yeah. yeah. But she as is. for why it's important, I mean, data is important, right? It might not be important to you, but when when you sign up for stuff, when you give businesses your information, it's it's the onus is on them to safeguard it. So, and if if they don't safeguard it or they fail to you know have basic controls in place to safeguard it, they can be sued because obviously there are some people who do very much care about their data um, out on the web or you know safeguarded by businesses. So. So I've got a question. This is a very personal question, but I'm going to say I'm asking for a friend. Um, Mm. I am lazy. Okay. When it comes to passwords, I am very lazy. Now I do do a pretty good job of like actually setting passwords when I sign up for things. Like I don't actually do password one through one, two, three. I usually do pretty good passwords. And if you're not living in my mind, you won't know where they come from. But what I do oftentimes is I set up the fingerprint on my phone. Is that safe? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, it's it's fine. Yeah, it's a lot safer than just you creating a really silly password um, that's super crackable, right? Like some really basic things, really basic words like your, your date of birth as a password or password one, two, three, for instance, right? Fingerprint definitely is a much better password than a, a, a basic password. But I mean, if we want to talk about passwords and, and what typically is best, I mean, fingerprint's a great option, but the longer you can make it, the better, but also don't make it make sense. Like you wouldn't want a password that is a phrase, like I went to the school, like that's kind of like a phrase, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you would want things that are broken up that don't make sense, like blue dog, cat, bird, alligator school and like put numbers in between the things and whatnot make it 12 to 18 characters with you know exclamation points etc remember the exact terminology but like special characters i think is what it is perhaps Mm -hmm. um instead of like a a number uh, instead of a number five use like a dollar sign for five um just mix it up so that one yeah it's harder for you to memorize it too right but ain't nobody gonna guess it that's true unless i put a dollar sign for a five because you just said it on the podcast now i can't use it (laughs) (laughs) come on man (laughs) but but the 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 harder you make it uh the least chance someone's going to guess it there's directories out there of most common phrases and whenever if anybody happens to you know try to crack a website that doesn't have any kind of like lockout after five failed attempts a password or et cetera like that they can just keep hammering and, and test and eventually get uh, a solved password for you if you happen to use a, a more common password. There's you know hundreds of thousands of common passwords that people use, and it's all hashed out in, in a database that they can just call out in a program to just hammer brute force uh, with your login, username, and eventually one of them will work if you know you're not making a unique password enough. So. If you care, I'd make a super unique password. And obviously don't share the password with other websites, right? Because nothing sucks more than having your bank account a number bank account having the same password as like your Facebook account and everything else that you have on the web. 
because once they pop one, they just go do 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 pop pop out the rest of them, right? And that's that often sense. oftentimes what they will do, especially when a lot of the data gets sold out on the dark web. They'll just go through a PowerShell script or whatever and just hammer all these different sites with all these credentials in the database. And if they don't work at first, or they do find one, okay, great. Here's a new list of the ones that that were successful. What other sites does this person typically visit? And then go hammer those sites with those credentials. And more than likely, they'll also be able to gain access to those sites as well. So it sucks, but you know, for your most sensitive websites, one password per website, don't share it with a different website. That's fair. So I have, I, I literally have passwords in different languages. It really just depends on what's on my mind at the time that I make the password. So how so, do you remember these passwords that you make? I, I really don't know. Are you the person that just resets it every time you actually have to log into the website? I do that for a lot of websites now. When I was younger, I, I used to remember all of them. I would have like 21 passwords just like in my mind. Now I'm like, shit, if it's not one of these three, I don't know. That's <laughs> how I am, yeah. Yeah. I haven't logged into my 401k in a minute because I can't remember the password and I can't reset it. Yeah, I mean, the advice I give is like, it's really hard to also not not to be called victim of the same, you know, advice, right? Like, I use shared passwords among different sites, and some of them are more sensitive than others. It's a super convenient thing, right? Like, who wants to memorize 10, 20 different passwords to be able to use, you know, what is a right to, right to life these days, uh, the yeah. internet, right? Like, it, it's really, really hard. So there's software that you can buy or download or as in like an, atta- an add-on to Chrome or uh, Firefox or Edge or whatever. KeyPass is a piece of software that you can install on your computer, which will keep a local uh, database file for it where you can type in, hey, here's the website. Here's my username. Here's my password. It's all encrypted. Um, the person would have to take that database file off of your computer and then hammer at it for a few hours or maybe weeks uh, to be able to crack what those credentials are. But they would have to gain access to your computer first. So that's going to be pretty difficult just to then get the credentials to do nefarious things with. And that makes it a little bit easier to have custom passwords for each site because you can just go to KeyPass every time and say, hey, I'm going to Facebook this day. Okay, well, right-click Facebook, click copy password, paste it into Facebook. You don't even see it. Oh, that's crazy. And I'm trying to remember the other one. Uh, There's an even super more popular one that is like just an add-on to Chrome, but um, I don't think it's KeyPass. It's some other more paid piece of software that you can get but I just cannot remember it. I don't use it, but it's quite popular. I'm sure someone will shout out and yell at me about not remembering what it is. LastPass, that's what it is. <laughs> it's La- called I think there's actually two companies now. There's LastPass and a different one, but LastPass. Oh, I've heard of LastPass. Of. Right. Uh, LastPass, you know, it's the same thing. It, it stores your passwords um, in, their own, in their own cloud separate from you know, your own local computer and um, same thing, you know, it, it detects that you're going to Facebook. It's like, do you want to use your Facebook credentials for this? And it just passes it over without you having to copy and paste anything over. Or if you want to copy and paste, you can copy and paste, but it's better if you just let it transmit. That way, if you happen to have a keylogger in your computer, which isn't super common these days anymore, um, and what a keylogger is, is anytime you press the keyboard or do anything, any kind of input on the computer, uh, that key logger captures it. And after a certain 
times or certain phrases are sent, um, that keylogger file gets uploaded to the attacker's web server or C2 or wherever they're hosting the callback. And they're like, hey, Tamra just typed in their password to their bank account. And they're like, oh, great, we got it. Thanks. And they'll try to log into your bank account from God knows where. And Bob's your uncle. You're now wiped out. It's not as popular as it used to be, but it's still very much a thing. You're making me scared to go on the internet. Uh (laughs) Kind of my job. (laughs) Just don't go on the internet and all cyber will be secure. Uh (laughs) Turn off the internet will be good. (laughs) I would die. Like literally Google keeps me alive some days. Sure. And like Christina today is like, how do I get this splinter off? Like you have to fucking Google that? Like it's insane. Okay, so I tried any trick I knew. And so I tried to see what Google, what tricks Google had. And you know what? Even Google couldn't help me. So I guess I'm just going to die from a splinter in my finger. Well, I think I'm it's sure one of those things it. with Google. I mean, it's got pretty much the answer to 99% of all things that you need. It's usually user error and not being able to question Google what you need correctly because the way that it indexes things it it does based on like the phrase that you say and then what other people say and they try to mimic and do some algorithm magic to uh try to give you the result that you're trying to get even though you may not be saying it correctly but there's certain things that you're trying to find in google that um if you don't know for certain what you're trying to find like some real specific things it's not going to be able to barf out what you want. And that's where, you know, learning Google Foo is pretty important, which is just like different cheat codes essentially in Google that you can do to find data. Uh, Like for instance, there's like site colon, and then you put in the website of uh, what you're wanting to query. And you can then type in, okay, from that website, I want to query anything that has this word or this batch of words or this phrase. And it will only show you results from that website for that criteria that you put in. So like, for instance, I used to be um, a member of this Mazda Speeds forum uh, back before it got shut down. And one of the things, whenever there was something wrong with my car, I would have to look up like um, site colon mazdaspeedforums.org and then whatever I was trying to look at, like exhaust or like um, transmission or Gen 1 transmission, Gen 2 transmission. And it would only come back into Google that specific stuff within that forum that if that forum has really bad search capabilities, you could use Google to find things far easier. If that's even a word, far more easier. It's not, but I know, yeah, I know what you were trying to say. <laughs> easier. Because <Yeah. laughs> um, I'm going to need you to like text that to me because that would make my job a whole lot easier. And I also want to see if it makes it easier to stalk people. Um, well, just Google internet. it. Google, Google Foo. Google Foo. Okay. I'm, I'm hearing Google food, but that's just because I'm hungry. <laughs> likewise. I'm always hungry for some food, especially yeah. Google serving it up. What are some things you wish people knew about internet safety? Because I feel like there's a lot of things that people are just ignorant about and they just don't know. And not like there's anything wrong. It's not like being ignorant is bad, but we can always learn better ways to safely protect ourselves. So what are, what are some like basic things that you wish other people knew or thought twice of? I, I think it's more so 
and it really falls under common sense. But oh, there's not enough of that. No, I mean, clearly, right? It's that that falls into every category in life. But like, don't get scammed, and and how you don't get scammed is by looking at whatever delivery they're trying to do to you like is it an email okay what is the email about are you have you received an email from this person before and if you have cool doesn't mean that it's still actually that person sending it to you but um is the information they're sending you relevant are you expecting that information is it someone if it's someone you haven't ever heard of before and they're trying to like give you something for free you know that seems a little suspicious right like who would give me free stuff? There's nothing free in life. You got to work your butt off for everything. If you're not, someone worked their butt off to get it for you. So it's the same thing with all things. Like scamming, I think, would be, you know, because it's definitely a different um, level uh, on the internet side of things because people are, I don't know, gullible, I guess. Yeah. So, so for instance, like someone receives an email from Aunt Susie but, you know, it looks, the verbiage is a little bit off, you know, a couple words are typoed, but the rest of it seems, you know, pretty fine. Um, the message is, you know, a little bit strange for Aunt Susie to be sending it to you. And so you reply back to it and start holding a conversation with who you think is Aunt Susie. And lo and behold, it's not actually Aunt Susie. It's someone from some other country trying to get you to send some um, Western Union money order for some medical bill or whatever they tried to get you to um, do the action for. But, you know, there's some clear tell signs, right? Like the red flags were the misspelled words or the phrases that weren't, you know, typical of Aunt Susie. Uh, the other things you can look for too is the actual sender address. If you, you know, click the little carrot button at the bottom or at the top of the message to see what the actual sender address is. If it's not like auntsusie at gmail.com, which is what you would expect it normally would be, right? But right. it's like ant dot susie sixty nine four twenty at you know y dot mail dot x y z. You know that's pretty strange. She never send you a message from that address, so that's you know a red flag to me. You know if I were in those kind of shoes, plus the other red flags. But it's just don't get scammed. I mean, everyone these days are on Facebook, right? And there's tons of scams that are happening on Facebook. Like, for instance, my parents were almost about to fall for a scam where somebody was, you know, they were trying to sell something. And some someone was posing as someone trying to buy that item that they were trying to sell. And they said, hey, just to make certain that you're like a legit person, um, I sent a, they somehow got their phone number. And I was like, we, I sent you a code uh, to your phone number just to validate that you're a real human and not like a bot. Uh, can you tell me what that code is? Right. And my parents were like, uh, what is this? And fortunately I was, you know, at the house when that had happened, cause I was actually trying to help them sell stuff too. And I'm like, don't give them that code. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, like, why do you have your phone number listed on your Facebook posting? Wait, but, they had I, their phone number listed on Facebook. Yeah. I, I don't remember the whole story behind it, but yeah, they had, either given their phone number out or it was on the Facebook marketplace posting. And therefore this person who was trying to scam them, I don't exactly know the scheme behind it, but for me playing video games, you can make accounts like a fake Gmail account 
mm-hmm. only so many of them every month or every year or so. And once you hit a certain limit, um, you've got to start using burner phones. So per- perhaps um, this person who was trying to do this deed, you know, had to hit their limits and a quick way to get a quick burner Gmail account to go do more nefarious things would be finding someone who has their phone number listed on the Facebook marketplace selling ad and doing this thing to get that code back so they can finalize their account. And, and it could also play as like uh, identity theft as well. They could make an account with your name. You know, if they got your first and last name from Facebook and they got your number, well, they can make some certain accounts and then they can maybe try to do a little bit of social engineering against your bank or your workplace or wherever to try to change up your direct deposit or eventually get into your banking accounts um, just through a lot of coercion and social engineering Um, because all humans are pretty fallible to that, you know, might not have a good day and not thinking correctly and just, you know, fed up with it and just said, okay, fine, I'll give you everything, even though it's against protocol, right? Um, It happens more times than not. We all have those days. Um, So yeah, it's scamming. Probably the biggest thing um, I wish more people knew about. I wish there was like, like you have to have a driver's license to drive a car. Um, it's the same thing, uh, I feel like, for the internet. I feel like you should have to go take, you know, a quick crash course on what the internet is. If, if, if you're not, um, if you're new to it or like you're a little bit older and, and technology is, you know, not your, your niche, I feel like a crash course would be great for those guys, the people to not fall victim to this. I think that's an excellent point where there's so many times that I've gotten and this newest scam that I have in my email is, Hey, here's your receipt for X, Y, Z. And it's like, I never bought anything from this random website. I'm not opening your email or I'll get random text messages. It's like, Hey, this, and I'm like, whatever. But if I was someone that you know, didn't work in the field that I work in or didn't, you know, have a crash course on the internet. That was like the first thing when I got my first job. They're like, you're all going into this room and we're going to tell you how not to sell all of the company's information to a scammer, right? So, <laughs> you know, it's really important that they have those classes for people that don't necessarily have that training, right? So if I could see an email and say, this seems like a scam, but somebody else, like, I would never think like, hey, you sent me a code. I'd be like, why the fuck did you text me? But I wouldn't be like, you're probably putting this into a website and stealing my identity right now. So it's just really wild to think of the things that people will do. I, I, it's, it's scary, honestly. Yeah. Um, what can people do to improve their security? I feel like we touched that, touched that one and, and pretty much what we talked about already, really. I mean, using better passwords, using a different password for each website, trying not to fall victim for these scams. Um, you know, just be more cognitive of what you're posting, where you're posting it. You know, everything is generally out in the public. Yeah. Whatever you happen to post online, it's there's a chance and more times than not, depending on where you're posting it at, it will eventually become public. So... People need to safeguard their stuff as much as possible and be more be more proactive about privacy because I feel like privacy kind of stopped being cared about 
you know, since like 2000, 2010, yeah. people are like, well, everyone has everything every way anyway. So who cares about privacy? But like privacy is maybe the main benefit that we have here in America that most other countries don't get to um, enjoy. America definitely is one of those places where you're like, you were allowed to have an opinion about that. <laughs> right. What, what happens when that opinion isn't protected anymore? Right. Like, right. What happens if you're afraid to even share your opinion? Because that's, that's so starting. True. That's starting to that's be a happening. thing in America right now. That's happening. That is right happening. Now. And I, you know, for better or for worse, you know, you should be able to share your opinion so long as it doesn't cause a riot or you know hurt somebody or hurt yourself. Um, but you should be able to share your opinion. You know, it might be a crazy opinion, but, you know, you should still be able to share it because I would assume and hope that you would have friends that would be able to call you out saying, hey, man, are you okay? I've got a crazy what you just said. It's like, let's go to the bar. Let's go talk about it because that's uh, it's not you. Like, are you okay? But, I mean, having that freedom of speech being a protected right that we have in America is really important. Obviously, there are certain caveats to that, right? Like, you can't say fire in a theater, right? Because then if somebody happens to get trampled as everyone's trying to run away, that's not good, right? Right. As the same thing that you shouldn't be able to say certain things on the internet as it could create mass chaos. Right. I agree. There was, um, I want to say Cardi B sued someone for saying something on the internet about her that just wasn't true. And so it ended up being, is libel the one that's written out? Yeah, it's defamation and libel law, right? Yeah. And she made like $3 million on it or something like that, just because the girl had lied on her for no reason. Well, she had a reason. She wanted to make money, but... Do you guys hear this? I don't want to hear any lies about me and Tamara because we, we will find We're you. We're suing! <laughs> I don't know the whole story or who that person who lied was, but most people who do lie, you know, if they don't have a following, they don't have anybody who actually looks at them or cares about them, you know, as like, you know, popularity, you know, they're going to get away with it and not get sued. Right. Because right. you're going to sue some small person who is basically, you know, quote unquote, nobody. Right. No one's listening to what they have to say, so it doesn't matter. But if, let's say, for instance, a popularity person, you know, got a couple million followers or 10 million, 50 million followers, spreads a lie, that's damaging, right? Yep. And you, you should be able to sue for that. It's, it's, it's really wild what people will do to each other on the internet, in person. A lot of people aren't as tough in person anymore. It's like square up. It's like, no, let's square up on the internet. But, you know, it's... It's really interesting to kind of see the the outside, not outside, but more inside perspective, right? Because I use the internet to Google things and I use mainly Netflix. I'm just like, all right, let's watch Netflix today. I don't really use the internet that much, like on my computer, right? So I don't think about cybersecurity that much. I have my fingerprint to get into my computer. So you're going to have, you're going to need my hand if you want to get in my computer. Um, and I have you know, my fingerprint on pretty much everything so that I don't have to remember anything or think about security. If these websites did not require passwords, I would not make one for them. So I, I do think it's interesting just kind of hearing like the the inside workings of 
people's minds on how like they would run a different scam and things like that. But I do want to kind of wrap it up here. So we want to give you a chance to say a couple things. So if there's anything that you want people to support, um, if you want to promote your social media or anything else, you can feel free to plug that in here and then we'll go to the good news minute. Yeah, I guess the only thing I could say is, you know, I, I feel like we might have a topic coming soon where we can go a little bit more in depth of what I do, what I do on a day by day work wise and how someone could try to follow in a similar footsteps as me to get I into a position idea. of, yeah, of where I'm at today, because like I'm doing pretty well for myself, right? Like this, this field pays good money. It's provided a great life for my family. So I would love to be able to share my experiences and how someone could do the same thing I did in the even shorter time. And Hey, if it's a field that they're interested in exploring, you know, as I'm sure some people are here in college, now's a great time to get into such a thing. And, and we can have that conversation and, and build out that roadmap so that others can, can follow and not make, you know, some of the same mistakes that I did that slowed me down some, but other than that, that's all I've got. I don't really have any social media, you know, I've got a Facebook, but it's under a, a pseudonym because I don't want people to follow me. Like I'm, I'm pretty much dark on the internet, so I don't have anything to promote. <laughs> but if you'd love to hear my voice and hear my opinion and, and hear more cyber related things, you know, love to be on a second time and, and go through that with anybody. I actually love that idea. And when we were coming up with this episode and like, what are the questions that we're going to ask? It was kind of like a toss up between, are we going to ask how people can be safe on the internet? Or are we going to ask how people can actually do this for themselves, right? Um, because you do do well for yourself and your family. And I think Curls, that's what we call your son. Curls is, you know, he's going to be a little nerd. Um, he's going to be, you know, using computers pretty soon. Yeah. So we see that already. He keeps hopping on my work <laughs> chair and trying to smash buttons on the keyboard and I have to go fix it after he presses a bunch of buttons. He, last time he did it, he had a whole email open. He was writing an email out to someone. <laughs> Probably to one of the scammers. <laughs> He's like, dear Aunt Susie, <laughs> I see that you need this. Um, but yeah, we definitely want to have you on for another episode. We appreciate you taking the time to be on this episode as our first guest, one of many to come. But I'm super excited that we not only get to kind of get a better understanding of what you look at from a day to day, because like, obviously, I'm not married to you. I don't live with you. So a lot of this is news to me. I'm sure Christina has heard a lot of it before. And she's like, all right, here he goes again. But to <laughs> me, I'm like, wow, this is fresh. And this is inter interesting. Like, I never thought about this this way. So that really just I think it's I think it's great. And we appreciate the support and the help. And we know that you listen to all of our episodes. And we just appreciate. <laughs> Christina, do you want to go to the good news minute? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go ahead and go to the good news minute. Let's do that. A 72-year-old woman earned the Guinness World Record as the oldest person to cross America by bicycle. Um, from north to south, and she completed a 2,083-mile journey in 43 days. Her that name is... sounds awful. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Go ahead. Her name is Lin Linnea Salvo, and 
I just want to say that I tried to ride a bike. (laughs) (laughs) I tried to ride a bike like a month ago. And it was really hard because I used to be really good at riding bikes. Um, Tamara and I used to ride our bikes everywhere, up yeah. and down the street. We we were pretty good at it. And as most children are. <laughs> yeah, and I just was like, oh, I can ride a bike again. And I tried riding a bike like a month ago, and it, it was hard. <laughs> I forgot how to do it. So this lady rode her bike nearly fifty miles a day for forty three days straight perhaps it doesn't Probably. say but we're struggling as a sub 30 couple doing <laughs> one mile once a week this 70 72 year old lady is able to do 50 miles a day you need to go work out some more <laughs> like it's pretty amazing to do that that is amazing but like i don't want to drive that far i can't imagine biking that far and like it just has to seem so much further when you're not on the highway going 92 miles per hour unless a cop is listening i'm going 70 um or 55 whatever your speed limit is posted uh, but it's just i don't break any laws ever i drive well, just think of it. it's 2083 miles so what is that from maine all the way to south tip of florida it has to be or is that from like northwest to southwest she completed her trip in california okay oh okay so she went from washington to california that would be a beautiful ride though yeah yeah that's that's a hell of a ride i don't blame her now that's pretty impressive (laughs) thank you guys for joining us and thank you cody for talking with us about internet safety and we'll definitely have you on again in the future and we'll talk to you guys all next week bye Bye.